You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 452. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with season one of the Fox series Fringe. And, you know, before we started recording, you know, I, I know the listeners out there, geez, we haven't heard Dave and Wayne talk about their coaching experiences in a while. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. That. I, I, we, I'm surprised you haven't been getting the feedback about I that. I know. Asking us to continue, and, so. And for those, you've probably heard us mention this before, but we are recording Monday night where Hi, Dave. To, where it was about, what, 65 degrees today, maybe yeah. getting close to 70. Yeah. Saturday, it was like 19, and my driveway and my road were just a sheet of ice, and we got about three, four inches of snow here in Carroll County. So yeah. welcome to Maryland weather, folks. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, yeah, this this is it's crazy. It's just whatever, you know. Yep. Just deal with it. So yeah, you brought you know, and you you started off with good thing we don't coach anymore. I'm like, ah, actually, I got pulled back in this year, so yep. I'm coaching again. You were saying, ah, it's you know, it's fun. I mean, it's it a, is fun, but but the problem is, I think as you get older, you realize what a commitment it is, and if you're going to do it right you have to commit and as you get older at least for me it was uh, do i really want to commit and that's basically what got me out i just couldn't make the commitment so uh yeah. you know you're getting to coach with a guy that you know well and then he's a good guy and you know you guys got some good players i'm sure because our program there was always pretty good yeah we're pretty psyched about the team this year you know it's it's just really weird i, I, I don't know not to believe it but it's just weird to have you know when you think about these seniors right like they, um, well, yeah, so just some of the seniors. So they had, when they were freshmen, they they had a regular year, right, on JV probably. Uh, sophomore year didn't happen, got canceled entirely. So no lacrosse at all sophomore year. Junior year, we started in like, um, like late May and had like a basically a four-week, five-week season, I think. So really kind of like half a season. Um, and now they're seniors. This is their last year. And they haven't really had any kind of normal year except for their, when they're freshmen on JV. Yeah. And the juniors, they have yet to have a, you know, here they are. They're on varsity. And they really have barely played anything over the last two years. So it's, yeah. it's you know, it's, it's cause like, you know, like I'll say things like, you know, these kids should know this. They're seniors. And Keith is like. Dude, but they, you know, they they haven't, they don't have as much experience as you think they have. You know, right. missed a season and a half. Yeah. So, so. but, uh, but it's yeah, fun. And it's good group also, of kids and really enjoying it. So, yep, and fighting the weather. Uh, just, I'm sure Keith made sure they didn't put the snow shovels away just quite yet. So, yeah, I think we'll be. Uh, well, you know, not <laughs> wood. I think we're all right <laughs> at this point. But yeah, you never know, right? Yeah, so, uh, all right, well, enough of the coaching and mid-Atlantic weather talk. If you guys want to contact us with feedback, questions, whatever, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can do that. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. All right, so in the tip of the week, what we're watching, now I've mentioned in the past the Amazon series, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and you know, you've got so many things on your plate in terms of what you're watching, you'll probably never get to that, but it, it is really an enjoyable show about this uh, woman in the 
1950s who, through circumstances in her life, decides she wants to make a career as a stand-up comedian. And just really great acting, great stories. So season four uh, dropped. And what they did on Amazon is rather than drop all eight episodes at once, they did two a week for four weeks. Hmm. And I was reading an article by the showrunner, and he, he, he just... Yeah, I mean, he's echoing what we've said about a lot of our shows is that they really need time to be digested by the audience. And while, you know, Mrs. Maisel isn't dark, which seems to be my go-to comparison, <laughs> right. uh, you know, there there is still a lot to to take in, especially about the characters and the relationships. So, uh, so that was really great. Finished that up. I started The Last Kingdom. I'm sure you finished it, but... I actually have not because oh. I went back and I watched season four first. So uh, I'm only like three episodes into season five right now. Yeah. So I had to, uh, my, my friend at the deli at, at the grocery store that I shop, I had to like, you know, put the kibosh on her because she finished mm-hmm. it all. And uh, uh, I'm like, no, I've only seen you know, the first couple. So, uh, but, uh, it, you know, it's great, n- needless to say. So. Um, it's just, and I won't even mention names. You'll know who I mean. It's just, I just find myself, you know, not wanting to root against the character that I need to root against because, you know, she's just changed irrevocably. And it's tough. It's tough to see her still as a baddie. Yeah, but she is. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, what do you got on the uh, horizon? <clears throat> well, um, well, you know, Last Kingdom season five. Um, you know, it's it's so funny that like, you know, the Vikings Valhalla comes out, drops. You know, like what, like a week before the Last Kingdom. Yeah, and so it's just my whole brain is just scrambled with what happens when and everything. You know, like the. I know they're two different shows, but just with uh, all the the Norse element and both and everything, and a lot of similar type of plots, and you're just like, um, so it's just it's just funny how that happens. It's always sometimes very difficult to keep Vikings and Last Kingdom kind of separated in my mind from each other. But uh, otherwise, um, last week uh, was Letterkenny dropped their International Women's Day special. Which is great. Uh, Leonard Kenny does a holiday special every year, and they often, while they did, they have done a, a Christmas one. They do a lot more non-traditional holiday episode specials, like St. Patrick's Day and the Valentine's Day, and things like that. They're always like a hilarious turn on on the holiday. Um, this one was no different, where they had a um, <clears throat> like an anti-beauty pageant, where they had. Um, I think it was like four or five of the characters behaving, trying to the the each contest involved them being like either foul mouthed or you know trying to make people sick by recalling things that they've done and everything. So just the complete opposite of the you know whitewashed varnish type of. Um, you know, thing that you get in a beauty pageant and everything. Not to knock beauty pageants and everything, but they're not always the most progressive things, right? Um, so it was just hilarious. Uh, it, it's it's great. 
Um, the, the, the one character, Squirrely Dan, is always talking about this. He's taking the women's studies class, and his professor Trisha's, as he calls he, Dan always puts an S on the, at the end of his words. Um, and we finally met Professor Trisha and, um, to talk to this group of men about uh, feminism and International Women's Day. And it was, you know, I'm not going to spoil of, of what happened, but it was just outstanding. It was really good. So, uh, you know, my son and I actually watched it together the other night. He's just like, you know, Jared Kiso, the guy who, who writes the show and basically is the auteur behind it. This guy's just a, a freaking genius. Um, he's got to be one of the most funny people on the face of the earth. And um, I should say the funniest, not the most funny. It's just, you know, it's just the, the writing is, is at times you're just laughing so hard you're crying. Now, I know I've said before, and I'll keep saying it, if you're, you're not watching Letterkenny, you are uh, completely missing out. Now, um, you probably know this about Last Kingdom. Uh, You mentioned this is season five, which is the final season, but there's also going to be a movie that I think is going to air sometime in late 2022, but I'm not sure how it's going to fit into the timeline. It's one of those things that I I didn't want to keep reading because I sensed I was going to maybe learn some plot points that maybe I'd rather just you know see unfold organically when i watch the movie but looking forward to that as well and yeah it's kind of a bummer it's kind Uh, of a bummer that it's you know coming to an end though you know it's like really fabulous show well it is but uh you know again we've said this many times you you get a show like vikings oh my god they can't you know when that ends there couldn't be a a show about that era as good as this well yeah there could yeah <laughs> <laughs> and even barbarians wasn't bad i don't know if you oh, saw i that. love barbarians i yeah, thought that was, that was great. pretty good yeah, yeah i'm not yeah. sure why it didn't get a season two i liked it but oh it didn't i don't think oh, so that's a bummer yeah i don't think so but uh all right well anyway let's get to fringe episode 13 of season one titled the transformation written by J.R. Orsi and Zach Whedon, directed by Brad Anderson, who directed 107, in which we meet Mr. Jones, aired February 3rd, yeah, 2009. And this one had 12.78 million viewers, which was not only the second most of the season, second most of the series. So, you know, I'm not sure, you know, somebody might say, well, you know, it was all downhill after that. Well, yeah, I guess statistically it was from a viewership certainly not i think from a storytelling so you know i don't know why that happened because one of the things i notice about this episode is that fringe is really playing up its horror elements in you know this Mm -hmm. this episode and we've talked about you know the genre field so what what constitutes genre and and i think you and i have always said sci-fi supernatural fantasy and horror and i think that's the general consensus and while there have certainly been some horrific things happening in fringe to this point this episode kind of takes it to another level i mean i mean what do you think about the dude on the plane yeah well you know it starts off on the plane which is not great for fringe and, um, you know, the guy's nose starts bleeding. And, and honestly, I was, you know, again, because it's been so long, it's it's usually a while before I remember. And then I'm like, oh, wait, this is the, 
the kind of the Wolfman guy. Um, but when yeah, when he pops out of that bathroom door, it's like, whoa, you know that was that was not what I was expecting. Well, right, and, and one of the first things we see is him pulling out his teeth in the bathroom right. there. Yeah. And, and the other thing, you know, not to you know drift too far off the. I don't know. I haven't been on many airplanes. I'm, I'm terrified of flying, but that bathroom, my, that bathroom is like big as some small rooms that I've had in my old house. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, um, yeah. and then certainly, you know, the, the blood dripping from his nose, but, but later on the blood gushing from, you know, the, the, the other two guys that, you know, I, I guess had been dosed with this, but but you mentioned you know him coming out of that bathroom. I, I don't know. I, I had in my notes human porcupine. Um, I think they re- Walter might refer to him as some other kind of animal. I forget yeah, I call him porcupine man. Uh, but just I, I don't know. Just just really horrific. And when they're out in the field at the plane crash site and they flip the body over. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And then, and then there's even a later scene when when they're doing the autopsy and yeah. He just got his torso, though. Yeah, yeah. right. And I just noticed uh, Astrid just looking like, you know, just another day at the lab. And uh, not that she was ever grossed out by anything. I mean, she's always been, you know, totally composed. So so it's not that. But just, I don't know, it just just struck me watching her in the lab. And uh, again, not that she is buying into the Walter Bishop method of you know, whatever craziness, but I don't know. But so, you know, it was good from, from that standpoint in, in terms yeah, of and the, the, the classic kind of build up where he's like, I need you to, well, which I thought this is not bad. I, you know, like there's something terribly wrong with me. Everyone's in danger. I need you to gather up all the drugs you can and give them to me. Like, yeah, right. I, try, I tried that in my dorm back in the, uh, <laughs> Uh, but you know it's like the the suspense because it's fringe so we as the watcher know it's all right this this guy ain't lying man like something really effed up is going to happen to him and it's going to happen to him soon you know he's definitely on the level he's not just trying to get your sedatives but you know no one believes him they think he's crazy or you know whatever so that causes the tension for us the audience right because we're sitting there watching saying come on listen to this dude but you know obviously reality um the characters not knowing that they're in an episode of fringe are just gonna uh behave like uh as as they probably normally well i guess normally you would call the air marshal and say this guy needs to be tased or something but uh yeah, so we know that everyone's doomed we know he's right when he says we're all gonna die we're like yeah you're all gonna die Unless you take this guy seriously and they don't take him seriously and yeah, we see what happens. Right. I mean, as he says, all a taser is going to do is piss me off. So that's true. He did say that. That's right. Right. But then, of course, we know as we're watching all of that, why on earth would anybody believe him? Even though right. w- we believe him, but there's no reason that the, you know, the, the airline employees should believe him. So, you know, w- we certainly understand that, uh, you know, a- as well. The amber discs show up again, and, and of course, we're thinking about what kind of connection these discs have to the pattern. I mean, it's my understanding that all they know about these discs at this point is that they contain data, but they haven't really been able to decipher the data. 
unless I've missed something, which is I don't I don't think they have right, which is entirely possible. Um, yeah. But it is really, I think, a cool plot detail, and, and you know, Olivia's like cut open his hand, and on the one hand, you know, Walter's excited because he gets to you know cut yeah. open in this case a, a guy that's still alive. Uh, and and you know so we've got now i believe we've got three discs at this point um four oh is it four got one from the dea agent right they've got um one from oh john scott the the porcupine guy they got one from john scott and they got one from uh what was his name um yeah yeah i I, the the guy the the dude who they prevent from turning in the porcupine guy oh, right they had him in the lab and he was the yeah you know the conduit there for a while so well, i put his name about a thousand times in these notes and i can't find it now of course that gives the Hicks. writers oh yeah right 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 gives gives the writers an opening to bring nina sharp and massive dynamic back into the equation because it's a little, been a little while since we've you know, seen them and, and finally Broyles fesses up to Olivia about the FBI massive dynamic relationship. And, you know, in this day and age, I don't want to say, no, there's no way the government would hook up with a private corporation like that. But yeah, who the hell knows at this point? Yeah, right, but, right. Uh, but, but, you know, it's just so funny because, you know, like you just know what's coming. Like, yeah, well, because we know where you know John Scott's body is. So when Liv is like, you know, oh, we need to dig it up, and Bros is like, we can't. And he's like, bah, here we go. We're going to see the big building, massive dynamic, yeah. right? And and again, Olivia is still in her phase where she just demands Broyles do whatever she thinks needs to be done at the moment, and and fine, she's generally right in what she's demanding of him. She probably could, you know, you know, use a little work on inter-office personality uh, exchanges, but uh, whatever. But but the other thing, you know, so much truth comes out of this episode. And one of the things that, that really strikes me early on is, uh, you know, they're at the crash site, uh, crash site. And, you know, of course, they, they find the, the dead manimal. That was a chance to nice. yeah, <laughs> get that into my notes. Um <laughs> Walter determines that, well, our friend didn't start out this way. And, and of course, we know that to be true. But when. Yeah, there's no way he would have gotten through TSA and looking like that. Yeah. But but she's looking at the the flight manifest with Charlie and recognizes the suspect. And at this point, she can't tell Charlie the truth about how it is she knows. And the relationship she has with charlie and i know i've said uh, i know i said at the beginning that that kirk acevedo it just seems like his character is always shouting but i I, i've got to go back on you know what i've previously said about him and and the character charlie in, in fringe i i just love the fact that he's smart enough to trust this woman who he's trusted for how many years they've worked together, we don't know, but but a while. And that as outlandish as what she's saying may seem, I, I'm going to go with it. And, yeah. and and that's kind of his attitude. It's like, yeah, it's kind of crazy, but I'll go with it. And, yeah. and I love well, that. Well, he's seen Charlie. some crazy stuff with her already. So, well, he has. You know, so it's not like, 
you know, a porcupine dude is, you know, that far removed from some of the other stuff he's seen uh, recently. But, but yeah, you're right. He doesn't bat an eye, you know. He just, he's like, okay, all right, I, I believe you, you know. Right. Which is and great. That's why Charlie, we just, I, I love Charlie. He's, he's a big fave of mine, so. Right, and, and then that leads us up to that scene in the office when they get the black box and they've got the 60-second recording or whatever it is of the last moments of the plane. I also thought that was a pretty cool scene at the soccer field because we're thinking, all right, you know, mom's putting the equipment away in in the minivan, getting the kids in the car after soccer practice or soccer game. Where's this going? What does this have to do with anything? And then we see the plane in the background. And that's pretty much all we see of that. Why they chose that scene to show us that the plane crashed, I'm not sure. I mean, any thoughts or is it just that a parent and child at a soccer field is just, you know, just part of our everyday culture. It's probably part of everyday culture all around the world, although they call it football in most right. other countries. Right. And it's still a super boring sport in every country. So uh, just yeah. like, okay. this anyway, kid we, should be doing something better with her time. But yeah. anyway, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're only piss off like uh, the vast majority of the world by knocking on soccer, right? So, yeah. well, I, there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, it's it's a you know we know where our brains are better able to fill in what's happening on the plane than any camera could be, right? Right. Like sure. they they could show us the porcupine guy rampaging, or they could just show us the plane going down, and our our brain our imagination already fills in. We know what's happening on that plane. We don't need to see it. But also then, it's it gives us a perspective, as you said, from a very familiar occurrence, right? A parent picking a kid up from uh, an athletic practice or something like that. Um, obviously, there's some anxiety at first because we fear that the plane might crash down on the field and kill all these kids and everything. But it's able to put us into uh, the perspective of of an outside observer and like I said, watching something happen and when we're able to imaginatively fill in what's actually happening though, we're watching it from the outside with this mother. Yeah. And, and you know, now I, I mentioned about the black box and at this point, Olivia recognizes the second guy who, who turns out to be Hicks and she's forced now to tell Charlie the truth about how it is. She knows these things. Right, because if you just like randomly can pick out one dude from a plane manifest, that's one thing. But then if you all of a sudden pick out the guy he's working with, not even on the plane, okay, how's this happening, right? Right, and admittedly, as you said, Charlie's seen a lot of bizarre things in his time working with the bishops, but... This is right up there, this whole idea that John Scott and I linked consciousness and some of his is, you know, still inside me. So I recognize it from his memories. Okay, I'll bring him in. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. And, and again, I don't I just, know if you're going to be able to get rid of habeas corpus with that, but, you know. Well, yeah, I don't know either. But, uh, you know, the, I don't even the know other, if that was the right legal term to use. I yeah, I don't either, but it sounded good. Um, yeah, right. 
now Fred mentions this in his feedback as well, and, and the relationship she has with John Scott, and when will we as the viewer be done with this whole shared consciousness story arc? Because I do agree with Fred. I think it's time. I think they've yeah. milked this for all it's worth at this point. Right. You know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about this because, you know, we have like, as you said, like the, you know, sharing the consciousness with John Scott this has been happening for a really long time. And yeah, it's probably runs course. Mitchell Loeb is still on the, on the table kind of. Um, and there's another guy that, you know, they've, he's been kind of in the background as a, a quote unquote bad guy for a while now. And then just in this episode, they introduce and dispose of the big bad all in one episode. And he's captured as almost right after we find out who the heck he is. Right now, again, I think we have to assume that this is associated somehow with the pattern david robert jones and you know still there's that that baddie or not that's still out there that we've only heard about and that is of course william bell whose name we haven't heard in a while but but we certainly see that massive dynamic is heavily involved in in whatever is going on with the pattern and the fbi's investigation into it but uh, the other thing about Olivia and John Scott, and she goes in the tank several times in this episode. I, I particularly like their final meeting when they're out on that dock. And the other thing I, I noticed, and and again, I'm sure Walter would have an explanation for it, except that Walter's contention that he can't see you. Well, yeah, he can, Walter, because yeah. we've seen it twice now. Yeah, so objectively not true. Right. So whatever Walter thinks he knows about this consciousness linking, you know, he doesn't know as much as he thinks he knows. So whatever. He's so certain of it, though. Like, he's just like, that's impossible. There's no, you know, like he keeps saying it's impossible, but it's just like, um, it might be impossible, but it's actually happening, Walter. So, yeah, like you're saying, Walter does not know as much as, as he thinks he does. And he, you know, is that that you know certainty that he shows that he's right obviously he's got to kind of shake that off a little bit because he's obviously not always going to be right right now if we wanted to get into an examination of color symbolism the the one thing that strikes me you know in, in these exchanges she has with John Scott while she's in the tank is that both times they're both dressed in black leather or black vinyl or whatever it is so you know what is that all about because it's not i mean we see olivia wear black but it's generally a a suit you know she's got the you know generally the crisp white or you know light color blouse underneath so it it was kind of a, a contrast to what we usually see her and it probably means nothing but I guess the English teacher in me couldn't let that go, but, but. well, no, I, I I wouldn't say nothing though. You know, I just I didn't really notice it, but yeah, certainly I'm I'm sure that they purposefully pissed pissed <laughs> they purposefully picked out the uh, you know the color and the style of the clothes there for for a specific reason and meaning, right? Yeah. Now 
the one question I do have at, at the end of the episode, it, it does appear that this may be it for Olivia going into the tank to meet with John. Would she have married him? Yeah, I'm asking you, a, what do you think? A, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I, I think on, on the one hand, uh, you know, the love is actually, uh, it was genuine. It wasn't just um, hooking up. But to, to think of what actually marriage itself denotes for Olivia, I mean, you know, they, they, for one, they, they both can't continue working in the FBI, or they wouldn't have been able to, I should say. Um, and, and honestly, as we've seen, Olivia's life doesn't really have a lot of allowances for, you know, relationships. I mean, she does have her sister and her niece uh, right now, but, um, but that's very intermittent, you know. Right, and, and she doesn't really have to provide anything for them. And, and by that, I mean that Ella's got her mother to take care of her. Uh, Rachel has a place to stay and, and, you know, yes, I mean, they're depending on Olivia, but, uh, you know, she's an adult. So Olivia doesn't really have to worry about them per se. So, you know, to, I guess, piggyback on your, your idea, I think is that while marriage may seem like a good thing that, you know, her getting this huge rock from John and however much she loves him and thinks he loves her, Will she have second thoughts? And and here's the thing I notice. She goes in the tank, and we've seen this before. We get that great scene. First, she says, um, I'm in a bedroom. No. And she doesn't say the words, but, of course, she realizes it's a motel room. And this may be the first time the two of them hook up because I think it's her that says it, although it could be John Scott, that this is going to be a one-time thing. We're never going to do this again. So... I don't know if they were out drinking after solving a case or whatever, but when Olivia's in the tank and she sees herself and John you know, come into the hotel room and, and we see her standing off to the side, she looks sort of creeped out by what she sees. Right. Well, and, I think probably anyone would be, right? Well, okay, so that's my question. If, if I love this guy and would marry him, why would I be creeped out to see myself, you know, in a motel with him? I mean, he's not married. I'm not married. We're not cheating on anybody. Why would that creep me out? Well, you never really get to see your own ass naked. So well, you know, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, okay. But, but no, well, I mean, because she has, you know, very conflicted feelings about this whole thing. You know, I mean, obviously she remembers it she just certainly must recall the emotions she was feeling when she was in that motel room but on the other hand uh at this point she thinks that uh john is a just a traitor and he betrayed her she betrayed his country and so she's you know super pissed off with him too and probably very hurt about her relationship with him and, and seeing it in a completely different light and, and that's what I love about this episode is that we're still not sure, despite what John tells her about, you know, you know, no, we're actually the good guys. We were going to kill Conrad. You know, we were going to bring him down. I don't know that we 100% believe him. 
and I don't think she knows that at at that point in the hotel room. He hasn't told her that yet, I don't believe. But for us as the viewer, we get to the end of the episode and okay, John, we want to believe that what you're saying is true and that you and Hicks are actually government agents doing a black ops and of course no one will, you know, take responsibility for for this op and and whatever and you know it's like I forget who it is that that says oh that's the perfect scenario, perfect excuse yeah, right that nobody can confirm or deny it. So uh so I like that that we we leave with you know still a, a fair amount of doubt about John Scott and if we've got the doubt about what he was doing as an agent, then of course we've got doubts about, you know, his relationship with Liv. And that makes sense that she's got those doubts and that carries over to her relationship with, with John, which kind of then segues into her relationship with Peter. And I, I love the fact that he insists on going with her to the meet, but dude, you know what I love even more about that particular scene is his line, right? Oh, um, you know, it's, it's like Broyles, Broyles finishes. Then, uh, well, well, this is the other thing leading into that, and you can like look it up in your notes. Um, so, so Broyles is is telling you know the groups of agents in in the office what's going on, and I, I noticed this a couple of times in in rewatching it that there's a female agent behind Peter, who seems to see him and Olivia look at each other and just like kind of nods her head <laughs> like, uh. okay, I see you two looking at each other. Right. <laughs> probably nothing. Again, I'm probably reading this in, but you know, the, the, as he tells her, I mean, it's just such a great line. I'll throw it your way. Was it a uh, shady deal with shady yeah. guys is by MO. She's learning to realize what a valuable asset that that not only he's been but that he can become that that you know he can grow as an agent if we want to refer to him as an agent i mean we know he's not an official fbi agent right. i guess he's still technically just a consultant but but he needs to grow as well because this is not his area of expertise or is it because once they get to the meet he, he handles it brilliantly and, yeah. and as, as he tells her being fearless doesn't mean you're being safe and <laughs> again it was just brilliant now yeah I, well it, oh go ahead it was just like perfectly reads the situation right like and he's even i don't think he's he doesn't have a, a transmitter in his ear so he can't even hear that you know the hicks is starting to transform and so it can no longer lead olivia olivia uh through this you know through this meet here uh, and so Olivia has to improvise and not knowing that he picks up on the fact that, yeah, now we've got to improvise. And he comes up with a great excuse for, you know, why Liv can't answer their question. It's it's not going to hold scrutiny, right? As Conrad comes in, he's like, no, what's his stay bond or whatever. He's like, you know, I just, I just talked to him. Yeah, right. You know? So, you know, but it did buy them enough time to get Conrad in the room, which is then when she can say Christmas, and then the cavalry comes in right before they get shot. Right. And then in the debrief afterwards, 
she tells Broyles, I didn't do it alone. And I'm thinking, all right, does she mean John Scott or Peter? And, yeah, you know, right, she follows true. it with, I know the truth and that's enough. And, and again, I'm thinking like, well, okay, what truth is it that you know? Is your truth that John Scott was really a government agent working a black ops uh, event or something else? I, I assume that's what she means. That, or, or is it that the truth is that John Scott really loved her? I think both of those things. Okay. Because those two things are intertwined for her, right? Yeah. Because the, her, her feeling of betrayal is not that, you know, John betrayed her by like running off with another woman or something. He betrayed her by betraying his job and his loyalty to his country. Right. I mean, so the two things are tied up in her mind. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're at that scene at the end where, you know, they walk to the end of that, that dock and, you know, I'm sorry I doubted you, she tells him. But, of course, we're still thinking, well, okay, yeah, but is he good or bad? And and then, you know, they kiss. And, and on the one hand, I guess this goes back to what we were saying earlier, whether or not we're done with this shared consciousness thing. Is she kissing him goodbye and this is it or – you know, I, I don't know, but but just to, to go back to the Peter relationship thing for a second, that scene when she comes out of the tank, she's kind of terrified and he's cradling her in his arms. It's almost as if, she, you know, I mean, he's got his arm around her. I mean, it's what you would do to somebody you're having a relationship with. And, and rather than not, not that she would recoil because obviously there's josh jackson's a good looking dude and and right. you know she has been working with him they have a good relationship but it's almost as if she she allows him to to hold her even more tightly so whether it's again something i'm reading more into than should be seen at this point i guess that's open for debate but regardless I think their well, relationship I, is getting closer and closer. Yeah, and, and I think from base, almost from word one, we've kind of been shipping uh, Peter to Livia. You'd have to be, you know, you'd have to be not even paying attention a little bit to miss that. So I, I don't think you're wrong that they are showing, you know, a little bit at a time this that their relationship getting closer. And one thing that. In, in order for them to have any kind of relationship at all, is that she has to get some closure on her ex. Um, there's no way that, you know, Peter would be able to get close to her if she's still frustrated, angry, slash pining for John Scott. Right. So, you know, we get to the end of this episode, and, and I guess we have to consider where do we go from here? I mean... Nina contends that John's not alive. I assure you, he's he's dead. <laughs> well, he sure as hell doesn't look dead. That so, looks really good for being dead. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know. So whatever. Will we bring that to a close? We've got you know the pattern still you know going going on out there, and and you know that's probably not gonna go away anytime soon. We haven't seen David Robert Jones for a while. What what the heck's he up to after right. his? escape from the German prison and escape from Europe in the blink of an eye and, you know, turns up in, I think they were in Connecticut at that point. Maybe, I don't know. You know, how many more monster of the weeks 
are we going to see before there's some sort of a, you know, I, I, I guess a turn, you know, it's almost like I, I, I need to see the story arc make a left or a right hand turn and, and take what we've already got and, and just expand on it, you know, in this sci-fi, horror, fantasy, supernatural, however they want to deal with it you know, go in that direction. So yeah, I feel like it feels like there is a turn here because she did, we have closed the book. We think on John Scott. So you think, you know, with Olivia getting closure there now, you know, you would think that that would signal, you know, like a, a turn in, in the story. Now it's like almost like that, that continuing storyline from, the very first episode has now been tied off very neatly. Now they can move on. So, so what's going to be next, right? Yeah, and and you know, I think the idea of the amber discs and the mystery surrounding them is a pretty compelling story idea that I'd love to see explored. And obviously Olivia and by extension, Peter and Walter are going to have to work with Nina, which Walter will probably be happy with. But again, you talk about relationships, the relationship that Olivia has with Nina is again, one of the more fascinating ones in the series. And we haven't seen that in a while. So, um, and again, like we keep saying each week, I don't remember if that's going to happen or when it's going to happen. But I mean, I think we know that, I remember something about that one. Yeah, I mean, look, sooner or later, we know they're going to end up back at Massive Dynamic. The question is, under what circumstances? So, um, anything else about the episode? Any plot points we haven't brought up you want to mention? I don't think so. Okay. I think we're good. All right. Well, why don't we get to Fred's feedback, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe Season 1, Episode 13. What am I watching? I'm watching Star Trek Discovery, but now also Star Trek Picard. So, two Star Trek series at the same time. That has been a long time ago. I believe something like 23 years. And I don't mean a animation series like Lower Decks. But the overlap is only three weeks. And I have to say, Star Trek Picard is so much better than Star Trek Discovery. And they tie in old actors like Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, John DeLacy as Q, Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine. And they do it in a quite nice way. So it's also a little bit memory lane. Furthermore, I'm slowly going on in Sanctuary Season 3. And, of course, Snowpiercer. And what are we going to watch? The Bee Foreigners, Season 2. Well, you probably know I will not be that enthusiastic. It was not my favorite series. But I will follow you, as always. Luckily, we still have seven episodes of Fringe to go. And the other advantages that I can watch on with Fringe. I really got hooked on it and I sometimes want to watch on, but I restrain myself and wait a week. And I actually don't expect that you are going to do the season two. If you're certain you're going to do it, I will wait, but I don't think so. I waited quite some time with Stargate SG-1 
and then you did the pilot of season two and then stopped. But that was also because there was a kind of bridge between the end of season one and the premiere of season two. But since you're always telling that the follow-up seasons will get better and better, perhaps you will do more seasons of Fringe. Okay, let's go into episode 13. I graded this episode on IMDb with an 8, so that would be A-. And then thinking back of the episode of last week, I gave that a B+. But afterwards, and listening to your podcast, I agree on the B that you gave the episode, so episode 12. I wonder if this is the end of John Scott, nicely resolved after 13 episodes, and I think it's indeed time to go on with the story. Otherwise, we do get a kind of blind spot effect. And I'm still waiting for the Michael Loeb and David Robert Jones story and the story about the Observer. I haven't spotted him in the last few episodes, actually. If you look at IMDb, you look at the actor who plays the Observer, you see him in all 13 episodes, although it also says uncredited. So I think when IMDb mentions you, even if it's uncredited, you really are in it. Perhaps not with lines, but somewhere. At the end, Broyles says that they still regard John Scott as a traitor. And Olivia says, well, I know what the truth is, so it's okay for me. I really wonder if he will get that Black Ops operation back. And that's why Broyles can't do anything, because there are no records of this organization or this Black Ops operation is really there. So I wonder, even if John Scott is gone, that we still get some onward storylines about this Black Ops operation. And I wonder if there is any connection to Massive Dynamics and to the so-called pattern, whatever that may be. Minor points in the episode. There were not so many cool Walter lines this episode. And the other thing is that these transformations in Fringe went very quickly, very reminiscent of these professors that got these huge narrow pharynx viruses out of their throat coming. Also ultra fast growth or transformation. But that's perhaps typical fringe. Okay, that will be all. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. I just want to comment on Fred bringing up the idea that there are two Star Trek series airing at the same time now i i've you know made a point of saying i'm I'm not a big star trek fan outside of the original series with with, uh shatner and nimoy you know i i appreciate them i i I understand what they're about it's just i guess at this point in my life i'm i'm not really into it so i'm not watching picard or or any the other series like discovery but it's my understanding that covid is what messed up the release of these that the idea was that there would never be an overlap you just go from one star trek series to the other and i think you know fred mentions i think there's a three-week overlap so you know as a star trek fan you're probably watching these right no because i don't have what paramount or whatever oh okay okay so Um, i don't know last when picard came out I, i did watch season one of picard i thought it was great you know, because you, I, 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 if I can get my uh, seven-day free trial again, 
then uh you know once it's all done i'll uh i'll order paramount again and, and binge them all so yeah really because seven days i mean that's that's like having forever to watch that's one of that's these so these easy and ridiculously easy to do uh, i know i know <laughs> So, you know, you wonder as a Star Trek fan whether you view that as as good or bad, the, the fact that you've got two series, you know, albeit for only a few weeks where you've got more than just one Star Trek episode to watch. But yeah. uh, I mean, not watching it, you know, I, I can't really comment, but I would think that would I'd be pretty okay with that, you know? Yeah, I would think so, sure. And then, of course, you get to that period, which is probably inevitable, where for three weeks there's... No Star Trek on. You're like, damn it, why'd they do it? <laughs> right, right, right. I'll maybe we'll get sorted out yeah, the but, further we uh, get away from COVID. So, All right, anything else about Fred's feedback? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. All right, Fred, thank you. Um, what do you want to do for a grade this week? You know, I gave it an A-. minus. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I you thought know? this was a good one. Yeah, it was pretty good. wasn't great per se, there were some things in it that you know. I, I, I was anything. I can't. I can't really even necessarily point to anything that I can think of that I didn't like about it. You know, I just didn't feel it like you know. I felt like the you know some of the better ones. Well, and this was inter- a good one. I mean, this this was this is one of the better ones. But I mean, like the the really better ones. Yeah. You know? I mean, the interesting thing is in the Facebook group, Alan Kingsley's mentioning about it's there's a pattern that has emerged that you know whatever grade we give it he's given it the opposite so when we're going a little low he's going high when he goes low we're going high right. so uh yeah so alan it'll be interesting to see what you've got for for this episode because we'll both uh, agree that this uh this is a pretty good one so yeah, we'll go, yeah. We'll go i like minus. it yeah it's, it's good again like a lot of the you know, if if at the end of it, I'm like, oh, well, that went by really quickly. That I feel that's always like kind of a good sign, right? You know, if yeah, at the yeah. end of it, I'm just like, I'm looking at my watch, like, when the hell is this thing going to be over? Like, that's that's bad. All right. Well, why don't we get to the spoiler zone? And as we say each week, uh, if you haven't seen the entire series, stop listening now so that you don't hear something you would maybe rather not hear at this point. Well, dude, once again. I don't know that there's a ton spoiler zone material other than, I guess, I mean, look, it, it doesn't take a Mensa member to, to understand that Olivia and Peter will end up getting together. Oh, shocking. Right. Yeah. So that, that, you know, is this the catalyst that's going to push them forward to a relationship? And of course we know their relationship is going to be fraught with, uh, quite a bit of conflict once the truth or actually right. both of their truths not, not the least of which is when there turns out to be another olivia right so you know on the one hand it's like oh when olivia finds out you know that that he's not even from this universe wow and then it's like well no that might not even be the worst thing that, yeah, they, no. that that couple has yeah, to deal I, with obviously there's there's trials and tribulations for, for this couple absolutely um but uh, yeah, I mean, you could you could see, like I said, there's there's no way you would miss this uh, you know early shipping of of Peter and Olivia. It's you know unquestionably there. Yeah. Now Fred also mentions just to, to piggyback to his feedback, and of course Fred's not listening now because we're in the spoiler zone. So I'm sorry, Fred. He mentions not picking up on the Observer 
and I, I guess I forget about it most of the time because I'm I'm so keyed into yeah. watching the episode, taking notes, and then on the rewatch, just you know, picking up little details. It's my understanding that he appears in every episode. It just sometimes it's a lot more difficult to see him. And I know there's a website out there that points out, you know, where you can find them. So, right. Well, if, you know, if I was focused every time I sat down, I'd just be like, all right, this time I'm going to see the observer. You know, I would definitely do it. But like I said, you're focused on a bunch of other things. And it could be as quickly as I look down to write down some notes, I look up and I've missed them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we know there are certain. Uh, areas that are more likely to have him show up i mean we're never going to see him when they're at walter's lab so you know we certainly know that and you know many interior shots there there's no chance we're going to see him so it's usually you know a street scene or or in a right. in a building like massive dynamic you know maybe in the lobby or something like that but sure. anyway so all right uh any final thoughts on spoiler zone stuff um well, just this idea, you know, because I remember at the beginning, like, you know, Conrad. I'm like, Conrad? I don't remember Conrad. Now I know why I didn't know Conrad, because they introduce him and get rid of him in the same episode. So um, I don't think, I don't recall us seeing Conrad again. So they, they seem to build him up as to be a pretty bad, big bad. But, right. uh, but all know. of these experiments, I, I think, lead us back to that organization that we haven't talked about in a while, which is, of course, ZFT. And, you know, the manifesto that we've talked about that, that, you know, we eventually learn was written by Walter. So, you know, all of these, these, you know, scientific experiments, whether, you know, by bioterrorists or whatever, I think it it all comes back to Walter at some point. So, you know, we've we've still got that on the horizon. It's funny because we don't really know that at this point. You know, like like kind of early on, like a lot of stuff was related to Walter because every, you know, monster of the week that they had was related to some experiment that he had already done. So we really thought that Walter's kind of at the center of this, but they really pulled back from that now. And now the, you know, Liv is definitely stepped up more as the central character. Um, and then Walter's just kind of, yeah, as Fred said, right, there's not a lot of great Walter lines in this one. Uh, Cause he just doesn't have as big a part. I didn't think in this episode. And that's not why we thought it good at, at all. I mean, we love Walter. We like having the minute, um, but yeah, the last couple episodes, he's definitely kind of moved more to the side of the stage. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we will leave the spoiler zone. Uh, I think at that point, I guess that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Fringe. Anything else going on in your genre TV world? Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Emails can go to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 14 of Fringe. But until then... You know, Dave, the the secret to my success as a parent can really be boiled down to these words. Get me some sedatives now.